0: Father, we love you, and we thank you that we can come this morning and that we can celebrate that our God is alive. He is not dead, but you rose up out of the grave, Lord, and we thank you that we have hope and we have life because of Jesus. We thank you for this morning. We praise you, Lord, and we pray that you are honored and glorified in our worship. We pray that you would speak to us through your word. God, have your way in our service. Have your way in our hearts. Do what you need to do in us, Lord. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Christ is risen Christ is risen indeed very good so when I got home Sunday from church and after a while got to looking at the news feed and uh, right there in big letters was the title uh, Tiger Woods career was resurrected that caught my attention. I read through it and it was talking about all the back injuries, all the personal problems that Tiger Wood had had. And the writer said, Tiger's career has been resurrected today by winning the Masters. And when I read that little article, I thought, man, resurrection, don't think so. Now, maybe the writer could have said his career was resuscitated. That's a good one. I think he could have said his career was rejuvenated. That's a, that may be definitely the case or a resurgence in his career, but not resurrection. You can't, you can't give Tiger Woods uh, that adjective that his career has been resurrected because my life is not better today because Tiger Woods won the Masters. Now, you may be a Tiger Woods fan and you were excited but I doubt very seriously, if you had any more energy, uh, maybe you had a little more motivation to go play golf yourself, but you can't play like him, so just give up. But resurrected, no. And so today, I want to share with you a true personal resurrection experience. First Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. Paul is speaking, writing to his young protege, Timothy, the new pastor, the one that will carry out the work, one of the ones that Paul has personally discipled to carry out the mission of Christ. And he says in verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of the Lord, the name of Christ, in my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Verse 14, Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying. In other words, you can count on this and everyone should accept it. So not only can we count on it, but we should accept this. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Verse 17, all honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. So in verses 12 and 13, we see the Easter story experience unveiled for us in the life of Paul. In verses 12 and 13, he lets us know that Jesus, because He arose from the grave and he is alive for all time, he says, I thank Christ Jesus right now. I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord. He has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though, even though, that's important here. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence, that means bad behavior. He says, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did in an ignorance and unbelief. Jesus saw in Paul what no one else could see. And the truth is today, because Jesus is alive, Jesus sees in you what no one else can see. Jesus saw in me what no one else could see. Now, everyone else would look at Paul and they would see a persecutor, a man that was full of rage, a man that was full of hatred for the Christian people. He got the documents, the the legal documents that he needed to have. And he went on a mission to arrest every single follower of Jesus he could find. He did it with a great deal of passion. He did it with a great deal of, of, of initiative. He was on a mission. But Jesus saw in him what no one could have possibly seen. Jesus saw the potential. Jesus saw what he could do in Paul's life. And when everyone else would fear Paul and would hide from Paul, every believer would, of course, Jesus saw on him the potential to be the one that he would rescue, that he would save, that he would give hope to, that he would give faith and love and Paul would take the same kind of passion and determination that he had to lock Christians up to reach people for Jesus. And so when Paul is walking to Damascus there in Syria, he has an experience with the risen Lord. And Jesus dealt with him. Jesus was truthful with him. He says, Paul, why are you persecuted me? What in the world's going on here? He was blinded. He was struck down. He goes into Damascus. The Spirit of the Lord sends Ananias to go visit with him, to give him truth, to give him hope, to give him the story, to let him know that Jesus being risen from the dead was going to make all the difference in the world in Paul's life. Now, if we were given the assignment to put together a group of people That would take this wonderful message of redemption and love to the world, Paul would not be on our list. I can see that committee meeting taking place or that team meeting taking place. Everybody's in a room. We're gonna, we pray about, Lord, who do we select to take the gospel to all the world? We get in there and someone might have the guts to say, you know, if someone would share the gospel with Paul or Saul, then, I believe that he might become something. He might be just the one we would have said, absolutely not. We can't have him. We don't want him around us. He, he will corrupt us. We can't have that guy. We can't even get close to that guy because he's going to arrest all of us. But Jesus saw what no one else could see. In verse 14, we see a beautiful picture of Jesus changing people's lives. He says in verse 14, oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. Man, I think you can become a multi-millionaire, a billionaire, if you could bottle faith and love and people could drink it like an old Western elixir. What a difference that would make in people's lives. Faith and love. The two things that make a difference in our lives are the same two things that made a difference in Paul's life faith and love. Faith in Jesus, who's worthy of our faith. Faith in Jesus that does not give us a return of emptiness, but it fulfills us in every way. Because Jesus is alive, Jesus gave Paul all that he needed to experience a different life. And that's available to all of us today. Faith and love. The truth is, it says here that Jesus filled him with faith and love. The faith that you have today, regardless of how you believe or regardless of how you evaluate your faith today, Jesus has given that to you. We don't manufacture faith. We don't work up to faith. We don't decide with our mind, I'm going to believe, I'm going to trust, I'm going to surrender my life to Christ. That's a work of Jesus in us. And that happens because he is alive. He comes to those who aren't believing, aren't trusting, are not surrendered to him. And he comes to them and he works through his spirit to bring people to faith in him. He convicts us of our sin. He he allows us to be tormented with with the, the, the emptiness that we have inside. And there's no question, Paul had great emptiness inside. He had all the religion. He had all the schooling He had the right contacts, the right relationship. Paul was in line to become the next great high priest one day. He had everything that he needed from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Jew of all Jews, smart, able to reason with the people, able to lead lead people. No question about that. And if, if Paul would not have met Jesus on the road to Damascus, Most likely, his work to get rid of people of Christ, people that follow Jesus, that would have just risen him through the ranks among the Pharisees. And he would have been chosen, selected, handpicked to be the one that would lead the Jews one day. But that's not what happened. He was given faith by Jesus and he was given love. You've been sitting around every now and then, and you have noticed something going on inside of you. Because of your belief in Jesus, because you know him, he's working you, the spirit of the living Lord is in you. The desire to love more than you've ever loved before is building up. You feel that. You, you might suppress it. It might make you feel nervous. It might make you feel uneasy. But the desire to touch people's lives with His love, it's just growing in you. That's the presence of the Lord. And that's what happened to Paul. His love grew so much that in Romans 10.1, he said, I would rather be completely cut off from Christ. I would rather be completely condemned. I would rather not have all these benefits that I have If my people would just come to faith in Christ, that's love. That's love when you are beaten, when you are whipped, when you are shipwrecked, when you're you're bit by snakes, when you're hunted and you're wanted, and you're willing to say and testify to the Philippians that, that I realize that if I die, I have great gain. However, I believe it is for your benefit. I believe it is for your life that if I live, and even though I'm hunted, even though I know that the end of my life physically is going to be very, very painful and difficult, and I'm going to live my life as a hunted man, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to spend time in prison. However, I would rather endure all that all that pain, all that suffering for the benefit of people. That's love. And Jesus gave Paul love. I, I just don't think that Tiger was resurrected. I believe that things lined up and he could hit the ball straighter and he could putt better and he's a gifted golfer, obviously, but resurrected, no. But Jesus was resurrected. And he has the power to give Paul faith and love. Now, one of the ways that you know for sure that Jesus is alive is when you recognize he's tugging on your heart, that he's seeing in you what nobody else can see. He sees in you potential. He knows how you're put together. He knows how you're wired. He knows what's possible in you. And so today on this Easter Sunday here in 2019, believe it or not, the Holy Spirit is here speaking and saying, I know you. I love you. I desire you. I have plans for you. I see what no one else can see. That's because of the risen Lord. And also, once you've believed, you know that Jesus is alive because in you, Faith and love develops, grows, changes lives. And then in verse 15, the same mission that Jesus had then, he still has now. And, and this is one of the strongest evidences I, I believe in that gives me trust and faith that Jesus is alive This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Now, this this unleashes who Jesus is. It helps us understand what Jesus is all about. It gives us an understanding of the difference between church sometimes and Jesus. Now, you just might be frustrated with this organized religion. I hear that from time to time. It's a real common reason not to be about the things of Jesus. Sometimes, well, probably more times than we care to think, because the church is full of people with problems who are messed up. As we talked about last week, our biggest problem is not something else. Our biggest problem is you and me. And I know for a fact that my number one problem in my life is Lee Brewer. He's, he's just nuts case. He gets things so twisted, he can do good for a few days and then circles back. However, Jesus, Jesus and his mission and his purpose is so much better. And it's perfect. And it's the it's the ideal. And although there are problems with people not with Jesus now if you focus on people if you look at people and people cause you to doubt people cause you to question your faith people getting the way of faith and love growing in you let that lay aside and get focused on Jesus it says this is a trustworthy saying you can count on it and every one of us should accept it Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, think about this for just a moment. Do you know some people that have given up their life to be part of Jesus' rescue plan? You sure do. You know people that have put their career on hold? You know people that that have foregone perhaps financial gain and perhaps... Uh, being promoted in this world for the sole purpose of being part of Jesus' mission to rescue every sinner. It's going on today. It's going on today like never before. It's an amazing thing to sit back and see how many people just surrender their entire world to the rescue mission of Jesus. I don't think there's any way to explain that other than Jesus is alive. And and that's what drove Paul. Paul says, I'm compelled by the love of Christ. His mission is the same then as it is now. And he's at work. And I think you can see evidence of the risen Lord by considering how Jesus changes people's lives, how he sees what no one else can see, and how he works with them, through them, causing them to be fully surrendered to Christ. In verse 16, it lets us have a little more practical information of verse 15. Paul received purpose verse 16 but god had mercy on me so that christ Jesus could use me as a prime example wow what a what a wonderful blessing what a wonderful gift he changed my heart paul saying he changed my direction he changed my mission in life i was all about persecuting i was all about blaspheming christ i was all about destroying all the believers, as many as I could. But now Jesus changed me, Jesus rescued me, and he is using me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Now, Jesus is speaking to those, I mean, Paul is speaking to those here that see themselves as the worst sinners. Now, first of all, in verse 15, Paul says, I'm the worst of them all. And then here in verse 16, he says that Jesus is using me to be a prime example to show people that his great patience is for even the worst sinners. And then he goes on to say, you can believe. If I can believe, you can believe. That's what he says. Did you, perhaps you thought the walls might cave in today when you walked in. Perhaps you think you're beyond forgiveness. You're, be, you're beyond forgiveness. Christ's love, you're not. We're still here. Jesus is still at work. And it doesn't matter how sinful you believe you are. You're not too far away that you can't be rescued. You can believe. You can believe in Him. You can experience Him. You can have your own personal Easter story. Now, Paul believed that he was the worst of all sinners. Now, if you stack up what he did against Christ, I mean, it's hard to argue with. His hatred, his disgust, his, he, he just, his, his rage against Christ. He blasphemed God. He, he murmured murderous threats against believers. But now Paul stands, Paul stands firm. Paul lives out an Easter story in this that he said, God has rescued me, he has changed me, and I'm a prime example for the worst of sinners. So they might realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. That's that's the Easter story. That's the personal Easter experience that Paul experienced. Jesus gave Paul purpose. Purpose. Jesus still gives purpose. He's given you purpose. And when you follow him, when you live for him, when you listen to him, you begin to know what your purpose is. He doesn't rescue anybody without giving them purpose. That's Paul's story. That's our Easter story. If we will believe in receiving. And then in verse 17, Paul says all honor. That's a great word. It means weight, all honor, Wait. Now, if you honor someone, they're your prime influencer. When we say we honor our mother and father, we're saying that we respect their influence. We put ourselves in that position to receive. Jesus is in the position of all honor. Glory to God is our going, our understanding, our awareness, our acknowledgement. There's no one like him. He's beyond everything. He receives all glory. That means that all the praise we can muster, all the worship we can give, all the devotion that we can just release is glorifying him. You see, his story of love is the greatest story of all. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. That brings glory to God. What God has done for us is something that no one else is willing to do. And when we, you know, this morning, I loved us all singing. We're the choir singing to the throne of God. And when we sing to the throne of God, we are are worshiping, we are praising, we are acknowledging with the words that come from our heart that Jesus is the Lord of all. No one like him. He has first place in all of our lives. We honor him. We, we recognize the glory that he's worthy of. And it says, all honor and glory to God forever and ever. He's eternal. Jesus rose from the grave. He's not going to die again. He's alive forevermore. He is the eternal king. The unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Do you have an Easter story? Do you have an Easter story? The Easter story is you've been forgiven. You are forgiven. You are completely right with God. You are justified and it's as if you've never been wrong with God That's what Jesus has made possible through his suffering and his sacrifice on the cross. We are restored. Not only are we forgiven, but we're restored. Broken, harassed, helpless, as Jesus says about those lost without a shepherd. Hurting, wounded. Restored. Now, when Jesus enters our lives, we don't become perfect. We still struggle. We learn to grow from living by the flesh to living by the spirit. But he mends our hearts. He heals the wounds. He gives purpose. He restores us to a right relationship with him. Being forgiven, our sin is wiped away. His throne as far as the east is from the west. And through Christ, we become a new creation. Brand new. You see, because Jesus is risen from the dead, we have the opportunity to become new people. To be born again. That's what it means. It means a fresh start. For For by grace are we saved through faith and not of ourselves It's the gift of God and not of works. And we know that we have an Easter story if we're experiencing life change. Now, not perfect. It's not holy perfection, but it's definitely holy direction. We can look back at our life and we know that that we have an Easter story that what Jesus did for us on the cross and and when he rose from the grave, we are experiencing life change, more patience, more hope, more kindness, more love. The, the, The desire to forgive begins to take place. Now, once again, we're not all together, never will be but we can look back on a continuum of our life and we say, this is when I believe I met Jesus. This is when I believed. This is when I surrendered. This is when I said yes to Christ. And from that point on, I can see change. Now, regardless of how big of change you see from your own observation, which is probably selling yourself short and ultimately selling Christ short probably, But you can definitely see growth. That's evidence of being born again. That's evidence. Loving the things that God loves. Loving His Word. Loving Jesus. Loving His people. Walking away from the things of Satan. Not living according to the things of the world beginning to be secure in your salvation beginning, beginning to able to understand more and more and more what Jesus has done for us on the cross and it changes our lives we change and probably the the nail that drives it all in you know the thing that the the straw that breaks the camel's back, that collapse it, that you can see, I'm in Christ, I know him, I've been forgiven, I've been restored, I'm being restored. My life has been changed and is changing at this very time is you begin to realize your purpose here, your purpose to glorify God, your purpose to represent him, your purpose to give away yourself for others as Paul did. Do you have an Easter story? Do you have an Easter story? If you leave today and you're going, man, I just don't know if I have an Easter story today. Take some time for yourself. The Spirit of the Lord is still going to be speaking to you and just simply say, Lord, Lord, I trust, I believe. Forgive me of my sin. Lord, I recognize my sin separates me from you. I, I want to have my own Easter story. I, I want to live for you. I, I, I'm today acknowledging that I no longer live for myself, but I live for you. In Luke nine twenty three, Jesus said, if you're going to be one of my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways Deny yourself and take up your cross. Have you had, are you living out your personal Easter story? Let's pray. Father, we just praise you for the opportunity we have today to come together and to celebrate you. Lord, we are so grateful for the gift of salvation. We're so thankful, Lord, for the fact that you rescued us. you forgiven us. You restore us. You change our lives. And Lord, just like the Apostle Paul, you give us an eternal purpose that makes the difference in us. Lord, I pray that each one today will be restored by your hope. Father, will be set free by your faith and love. And Lord, they will celebrate today what it means that Jesus is alive. In Christ's name, amen. Ushers, please come forward for our morning offering.